Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. We're in this final sola. Today we're going to be talking, and I always feel weird when I say these because I don't speak Latin, but it's sola deo gloria. And I feel like Italian every time I say one of these. They gave me both of the G's. Sola gratia and sola de la gloria. But this sola de la gloria means glory to God alone. Glory to God alone. From the beginning of human history, even before that, to the end of all things, all things point to the glory of God alone. All things are starting there, are going through there, and are going to end there. Glory to God alone. Let me ask you, have you ever gotten credit for something you didn't deserve? Be honest. I know I have on a regular basis. So as a parent, you know, I actually had a moment this morning. My son sent me a text that was one of those texts that you're like, wow, um, my wife must be doing something right. Because it was this text of like, He's not here today. Both him and his older brother aren't feeling great, but he's like 7.30 in the morning texting me, hey, I'm praying for you today as you preach. You're going to do an amazing job. And I'm like, okay, she's doing an amazing job as a parent. Because I will often get credit for those things. I took credit this morning on Instagram when I posted that, and I shared it with everyone. I took the credit for that. But really, the credit isn't always due to me. See, I can get credit for what I don't deserve. I mean, this happens on the regular at dinner time. See, Christy will plan our dinner. She will go to the grocery store and buy everything. She will marinate things. She will chop everything. She will have it ready. And I will walk in with about two minutes to spare. Kids are coming downstairs, and sure enough, I'm either stirring or chopping the final little thing. We'll plate it, sit down, and the words out of their mouth will be, thanks for cooking, Dad. And I just say, you're welcome. You're very, very welcome. You know, even as I watch sports, you know, I'm a big New England Patriots fan, and I will watch them every week. And after I come back down, I'm just going to keep saying it over and over, and eventually I'm going to win some of you guys. And as I come back down, because I like to to watch and be emotionally involved, and so Christy doesn't want to usually be partake in that, but I'll come back down, and she'll ask, and we usually win, so when I come down, she, she asked, well, how'd it go, and I was like, we won, and every single time, she goes, yeah, I bet you had a lot to do with that, and I'm like, I did. They needed me. They needed me being anxious on the couch, wondering what was going to happen. See, I take the credit for things that I don't deserve, and often we do that as people. We get credit for things that Ultimately, we don't deserve. We don't necessarily deserve where we're at today. Even if we're not where we want to be in life, we still don't deserve the credit for where we are today. It wasn't me that chose the the family that I was going to be born into. It wasn't me that chose the time that I was going to be born into in this season of human history. It wasn't me that wired me and put me together in, in the way that I think, act, and feel. It wasn't me that, that put gifts inside of me and talents and gave me different things, but often I will get the credit for those. I will take often the credit for that. 
But there's an understanding that we need to grab hold of. And when we grab hold of it, what it actually does is it sets us free. See, I was created to display the glory of God. And so were you. And when I live in a way where his glory is what I'm aiming for with my life, then what I do is I give him actually everything that he deserves. These, even these whole five solas that we've been talking through build up to the point where sola deo gloria would be the thing that is the pinnacle of all this. The first one, scripture alone is the foundation and truth that we stand on. And that scripture tells us that by grace alone, God has saved us. By his grace, he sent his son, Jesus, sola Christos. By Jesus alone, by no other name, but by the name of Jesus, can we find salvation in new life. And it is by faith, not by works, sola fide, that we put faith in God. And because all of that was not on what we did, but what he did, it leads to this place of to the glory of God alone. To the glory of God alone is all of this positioned on, all of it is sat upon, and all of it is leading us to a place in time where God will be exalted above every other name, above every other thing. Everything will bow before him. Because he is the one who is worthy. And when we let that truth actually settle upon us, we get set free. Because it's no longer about me. When life is all about me, it's really stressful. It is really anxiety-ridden. Because life is all about me. And this morning, what we're going to do to kind of give you a a preview of where we're headed is we're going to walk through a few scriptures that point to why God deserves all the glory. And I want to start in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look in chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. When God first found you, when you first gave your life to him, think of what you were when you were first called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. Any noble birth in here? Duchess? Queen? Prince? Nope. Me either. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one would boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God. That, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who gives glory, give glory to God. Because where were you when you for, were first called? You know where I was? I was a complete train wreck mess. When God grabbed a hold of my life 
and he grabbed a hold of my life. I didn't grab a hold of him. He stepped into my life and grabbed a hold of me. He grabbed a hold of my life. I was an insecure, addicted mess. I had lived my life insecure of what people thought of me. And so I would do whatever it would take to fit in with whoever I was around. If I was with good church people, then I would say all the good church things so that people would like me and want to be my best friend and so that I wouldn't feel so insecure about who I was. If I was with other people, I would do whatever was needed to fit in with whoever I was with because I was so insecure because I didn't know who I was. I was a mess. Behind closed doors, I was addicted. And often in the public, too. I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to porn. I was a train wreck. Everywhere I went, public life, private lights, it was a mess. That's where I was when I was called. Now I can look at my life and say those things aren't a part of it anymore. I've been set free by the glory of God. All of those things have been set free. And I have a great marriage today because I've been set free. Those things aren't a part of it. And people can look at us and say, what is, what is it about your marriage? And I can say, well, it's definitely not me. Because I was a train wreck before I met God. And if it wasn't for him, I'd still be a train wreck. It just involved more people. I'm not insecure when I stand up here. It's funny, this insecure kid who wanted to fit in with even a crowd of two or three now stands before people and preaches and shares. And I don't stand up here insecure and worrying what you're thinking about me because I know what God thinks about me. I've been set free. And it wasn't so that I could be something great. It's so that I can point people to his greatness. So that I can look at people and say, you want to know what I was like when I was first called? I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're in the same boat that I was in. You feel like you look around your life and you're like, man, it's just like a dumpster fire. And I'm not sure what to do. Maybe it's just one area of your life. Maybe it's all areas of your life. But God wants to step into that moment. He wants to take what is weak. He wants to take what is lowly. He wants to take what is despised. And he wants to make it great. Because when people see what God does in your life, it actually points them to him. It allows people to see, wow, if God can do it with them, then surely he can do it with me. That's how I first got saved in the first place. God had transformed my brother's life. And he had been my, my partying running mate for years. And all of a sudden I saw what God was doing in his life and I was attracted to it. See, so because he now had something that drew me in. He had something that I wanted. I wasn't much when I was called. And so it's not for me to stand up here and say, I'm much now. I can say, he is much. He has done great things. So let me boast about the great marriage that I have. But let me boast because God has given it to us. Because he's brought us through some stuff that we would have gotten stuck in. Let me boast about the gifts that I have. Because apart from him, I wouldn't be able to use them. Let me boast in him. Because he's who makes me who I am. He's what makes me great. And without him, I wouldn't be much. I could maybe put on a facade, but it wouldn't be 
much. So let the one who boasts, boast in God. Let the one who gives glory, give glory to God, because God is deserving of all the glory. Paul goes on to say in, in Romans chapter 11, another just really profound piece of scripture here that really, you know, sometimes you read a scripture and it gives you some perspective. This is one of those that you're supposed to read and go, oh, okay, that puts me at the proper size. Goes on to say in, verse, in, in Romans 11, verse 33, oh, the depths of of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has ever been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be all the glory forever. It puts the bigness of God into perspective. Who has ever given God counsel? When has God ever been need for what I could share with him? You know, sometimes I can dial God down to the size of my understanding. Sometimes I can read this book and look at it only through a lens of what I currently know and understand and think, well, this is what it must mean because that's what I understand. But how unsearchable are God's judgments? His paths are beyond tracing out. He's not limited to my limited understanding. He doesn't dial down who he is because that's where I'm at. He's actually bigger than that, and he wants to reveal more to me, but he is not limited by the size of my brain, by the size of my understanding, by the lack of my revelation. God is bigger than that. See, because at the beginning of all things, God was. In the middle of all, all, all things, God is. And in the future, God will be. Because all things from the beginning are from him. That means me, you, everything about us is from him. It says all things are from him. And all things then flow through him. They find their essence, their being, their very nature through him, in him. They are him. And they're all leading for him. Everything is from, through, and for him. And when we understand that everything flows from him, it flows through him, and it flows for him, we can go, okay, that's the perspective that I need. God, you are bigger than I understand. Today, God is bigger than the problems that we're going through. And when we settle into that reality and we stop making our problems bigger than what God is, we get a sense of peace that comes and settles over us. When our problems get elevated and bigger than God, when the challenges that we're facing, when the crisis that we're going through, when the unanswered questions that we have about what is life and how does it work and what is this going to mean for my future become bigger than who God is, we start to try to solve all the problems, which means we get the right answers and we get the glory. But when we remember, God, you've, you've got all the wisdom. You've got all the counsel. You've got all the understanding. All things are from you. All things are through you. All things are for you. I can rest secure 
knowing that you're holding all things together, including me, including the thing in my life that feels chaotic. God, you're holding it together. And so I can live in a sense of peace. Some of the reason these things are so foundational and element, and, and the reason they, they shift and change how we function is because when we stand on what is true, that all things are from him, through him, and for him, it says when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you stand on the truth, the truth begins to set you free. You begin to stop carrying weights of responsibility that were never yours to carry in the first place. And we begin to say, God, all things flow from you. All things are through you. All things are for you. So would you help me to understand what I'm going through right now so that I can experience you in the midst of it? Because I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to handle it. But I want to understand you in the midst of it. And when I understand you in the midst of it, I then give glory to you after it. Because I realized I didn't know what to do. But you were there. And it was all flowing through you in the first place. And so now I'm set free to just trust in you. Now I'm set free to live my life for you. Completely, totally, fully. In Isaiah chapter 2, it talks about a day. We have today, but there's another day coming. And the scriptures speak a lot about this day that is to come. And it's a day when each of us will stand before God and we will give an account for our lives. The scriptures actually teach that we will give an account for every action, every thought, every motive of the heart, every intention. When we think about it, it can be a little sobering, and it should be, because everything we will have to give an account for. And Isaiah, speaking of the the nature and the glory of God in this passage in chapter 2, talks about how everything will be held accountable. He goes on to say, the Lord Almighty has a day in store. For all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, all the oaks of Bashan, for all the towering mountains, all the high hills, for every lofty tower, every fortified wall, every trading ship, and every stately vessel. The arrogance of man will be brought low, and human pride will be humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Something like that can seem like, whoa, a little heavy there. It should be a little sobering. Because there's coming a day when we will stand before the Lord and we will have to give an account for our lives. Everything that we've done. The good, the bad, the ugly. And in that day, we'll realize that He is the only one worthy. Whether we realize it today or not, everyone will come to that realization. He is the only one that is worthy. He is the only one that will be exalted. So what can we learn from this? There will be a day when we are humbled. Let it be today. Let's not wait for that day. Let's wait. Let's not wait a moment longer. Let's say, let today be the day that I'm humbled. Let today be the day that I throw myself at the mercy of God and say, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I need your grace in my life. I need your power to come and help me because, God, I know I'm making mistakes along the way. I know my motives are not totally pure. I know my intentions sometimes seem good, but things go awry. I know my actions get out of hand sometimes. God, so I ask that you would humble me 
to recognize that I need you. I need you greatly. I need you to empower my life so that I can live for your purposes. I need you to fill me with hope when I'm feeling desperate and and totally in despair and not sure what to do. God, I need you. So I choose to humble myself today rather than to be humbled on that day. Because when we choose to humble ourselves today, it actually sets us up for, for us to give more glory to God. Because when I don't humble myself, I live for myself. And ultimately, I'll have to give an account for that. I'll have to say, okay, this is why I lived this way. I lived for the glory of me. But when I humble myself and I say, God, I need you. I'm, you know, I'm going to work every day and I've got these people that I'm interacting with that I really don't like. I really don't like the situations I'm facing, and I just want to light them up. But God, I need you today to help me, because left to myself, it's not going to be pretty at the end of the day. People aren't going to see you if I just operate in who I want to be today. So God, would you help me today? Because I don't that's, all, that's what I want to do, and I need you. What's your situation that you need a breakthrough in? What do you need God to shift in your life? What addiction do you need broken off? Maybe you've got an anger issue. What do you need to, to just God to remove from your life? It's not about you mustering up more strength. God uses the weak things of the world to shame what is strong. He doesn't need you to be any stronger. He needs you to recognize that you're weak, to humble yourself. And rather trying to muscle that thing up, get on your knees and say, God, I don't know what to do. Every attempt I keep trying, every clever plan that I've come up with keeps failing. I just humble myself before you and help me. Help me. Would you give me the grace that I need to live differently? To step into the breakthrough that that you long to give me? God's not looking for stronger people. He's looking for humble people who recognize they're weak and they can't do it. Who will throw themselves at his feet and say, God, Meet me here. Meet me here. Meet me in my weakness. Meet me in my brokenness. Meet me in the places where I feel like a complete mess. God, would you meet me here? Because my life is meant to display the glory of God. People are meant to look at me and see you. People are meant to be drawn to what you've put inside of me. I shared earlier that the reason I was drawn even remotely to God in the first place was because of what he was doing in my brother's life. There was something inside of him that I was drawn to. Jesus would go on to describe this in in Matthew chapter 5 as a light. He would call it the light of the world. He would say that 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? Because people will see your good deeds, and when they see the light and they see what you're doing, they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. When people see you begin to get transformed because you've humbled yourself and you've recognized this is not about me. You want to put a bow on what the glory of God means? Glory of God alone? It means it's not about me. It means it's not about me. It is about you. It is about me saying because of what you've done in me and because of what you're doing through me, I believe people are being attracted to you. Because I am the light of the world. And because what you call me to do is so attractive to the world around me. That's, a, that's an understanding we need to have shift in our hearts and minds. You are the light of the world. People are attracted to light. People, are, I was drawn to the light in my brother even though I didn't know what it fully was. There are people in your life who are attracted to what God's doing in your life. You may not feel like God's doing anything in your life, but there are people who are drawn to you. If you were to take some time and think about it, there would be people in your classes, people at your work, your family, your neighborhood that just kind of keep showing up, don't they? They just kind of end up around you. You know why? It's because you're the light of the world. What God's doing in you cannot be hidden. You may not fully see it all the time, but what God is doing in you, people are being drawn to. When you step out and you say yes to doing the things that God has put in front of you, when you love the person next door, when you serve somebody in your life group, when you invest your time, your energy, to those who are in need in your life. People see it. And they're actually drawn to it. They're drawn to it. And what it does is it gives glory back to God. This is where this whole understanding of the glory of God alone, okay, that's, that's awesome. What does it mean for us today? How do we live today in light of something like this? What it means is we live fully alive to God. It means that the gifts that he's given me, I don't just sort of do. It means I, I give myself to them. It means I want to be the best at what I do. I want to have the highest character. I want to live fully in my gifts. I want to see all that God has called me to be happen in my life. Because when I do, God is giving glory for it. And so I, I make it my aim. I make it my effort. I do everything I can to say, God, would you make me all that you dream I could be? Because when I live that way, people are attracted to it. And when people are attracted to it, I get to tell them all about it. I get to tell them, this is actually not about me. You want to know what I was like before God stepped into my world? And I get to tell them, this is what I was. And this is what I now am. And this is what I'm becoming. Because this is what my God thinks of me.
This is what my God says about me. 2 Corinthians 4, it says in verse 15, it says, all of this is for your benefit so that grace, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Because of the grace that is being poured out of my life and through my life, because of the grace that God is wanting to pour into your life and through your life. We talked about a few weeks ago, grace is both the unmerited favor of God and the power of God in your life to do what he's called you to do. So when the grace of God comes on you, it's the power of God to do what he's called you to do. People see it. It says more and more people see it. And it causes thanksgiving to well up in their heart. Why? Because there are people with stories like yours. You're not the only one who's gone through what you've gone through. Sometimes it feels like that, especially when you're going through it. That's called isolation. It's meant to keep you there. But the reality is, is there are people that are going through the same things that you've gone through. Maybe not the exact same circumstance, but they know what you're going through. And they actually need to hear what God's done in you. Because it's going to shift and change their life. They're going to experience the grace of God that you've experienced. Because you're going to give them hope that it's possible. People need to know that, that a breakthrough is possible. That's why we tell testimonies. That's why we share the good news of what God is doing in our lives. Because sometimes it just takes a spark. Sometimes it just takes one story. Sometimes it just takes one guy dressed like a stagehand, holding a mic, sharing a story about getting free from addiction to give you hope that you can too. Sometimes it takes one person sharing that my marriage is great and it's getting better every day to help you have hope that yours is going to too. It's going to get better. It's going to get more. Your story of what God is doing in your life is actually attractive to people. And they need to hear it. Because when they hear it, it'll cause thanksgiving to well up in their heart. And in the end, God will get all the glory. Why don't you stand to your feet?